Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected. Good morning, Team Krulak community. And on behalf of Marine Corps University, the Marine Corps University Foundation, and the Brute Krulak Center for Innovation and Future Warfare, welcome back to the Brutecast, our series designed to connect the worlds of the warfighter and PME with the best in innovative and creative thought. I'm your host, Major Ian Brown, Operations Officer at the Krulak Center. Before we begin, please remember that all opinions expressed here are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Krulak Center, Marine Corps University, the United States Marine Corps, or any other agency of the U.S. government. So for today's topic, uh, I've, I've sort of described it to our guest here, and I've sort of been thinking about it myself as it's a it's an exercise in uh, in Marine Corps history. And for those who know the meme, how it started and how it's going. Um, a lot of Marines know the how it started biographical ham or biographical points about Major General Smedley Butler. He fought in America's small wars at the turn of the 20th century. He won two medals of honor. He had Eagle Globe and Anchor tattooed across his chest because he loved the Marine Corps so much. And then how it's going or how it ended was near the end of his life. He became a very vocal anti-war activist and even published a pamphlet called War is a Racket, which captured his decidedly negative personal reflections on his very long uh, military career. So between those biographical bookends lies a, an untold or a, a incompletely told story of moral injury in the pursuit of American foreign policy that is really not that well known but which is now told in Jonathan Katz's book, Gangsters of Capitalism, Smedley Butler, The Marines, and the Making and Breaking of America's Empire. So today we're excited to be joined by the author of this book to dig more deeply into uh, its development, what he, um, what, he, what he looked at, what message he's trying to get across, and uh, its unflinching look at a part of Marine Corps history. And I'd also note that we had, uh, this book has been reviewed by one of our non-resident fellows through the Krulak Center, here, Major Brian Kerg, and guests can find that uh, find that review in U.S. Naval Institute's Proceedings Online Magazine. So first of all, Jonathan, welcome. And again, thank you for, for uh, taking some time to come here and talk to us. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So as we kind of talked about, um, I think the first thing to do is for those who may not have had a chance to read the book in its entirety, if you could give just like a brief overview of, um, of the, the themes of Gangsters of Capitalism, the story that it tells, and uh, for those who um, either don't know the story of Smedley Butler or who know it a little bit, but didn't get a chance to read the book entirely. Yeah, um, so it's a, uh, it's kind of an amalgam of, of a, a couple different approaches as anybody who, who's, who's made their way through the book can, can tell you. Um, part of it is sort of built around a biography of Smedley Butler, um, who uh, for, for, for those who don't know, um, was a Marine. Uh, he joined the Corps in 1898 um, at the age of 16. He lied about his age uh, to fight in uh, Cuba against Spain, what's generally known in, in the U.S. as the Spanish-American War. Um, and from there, he uh, continued in the, in the Corps for, uh, uh, you know, three decades, um, serving in basically everywhere that Marines fought. Um, from 1898 until uh, the late 1920s, he retired in 1931 as a major general. Um, he was twice the recipient of the Medal of Honor. Um, but over the course of that career, the places that he was and fought, uh, the places that the Marines went, uh, were, uh, as he recognized at the end of his life, um, imperial conflicts in which the United States uh, invaded 
occupied, uh, carried out regime change, um, you know, fomented coups, pr protected governments that had overthrown uh, uh, other governments in, 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 in their home countries. Um, and this was all over the world. So and anywhere that Marines went from, from 1898 until the 1920s, um, I, I'm, I probably don't have to list them all off for all of you guys, but, uh, you know, he goes from Cuba to the Philippines and in the Philippine American War, China, and then all over uh, Latin America and, and the Caribbean. Um, and, uh, and what Gangsters does is it sort of, it tells the story of each of those conflicts, um, both through Butler's perspective, um, his letters, uh, other things that he wrote, things that he, he talked about at, at the end of his life, um, but also the perspectives of, uh, first of all, historians, I, you know, I did a, a lot of, 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 uh, you know, research in, in the secondary literature, but then also um, I then I'm a journalist, so I actually traveled to all of the countries that Butler and uh, his generation of Marines went um, to find out the ways in which the people in those places, in the Philippines, in Nicaragua, in Panama, in Haiti, etc., um, how they remember this period. Um, because uh, the, uh, the the epigraph of the book it's a it's a, a proverb in in Haitian Creole. Uh, the one who deals the blow forgets, the one who carries the scar remembers. Um, and so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, which also works on, it also works for, for, for Butler as well. But um, that was a, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm you know, using the book to, to sort of um, explore historical memory and, you know, what we remember, what we don't, what, what things, you know, are, are, are actively forgotten and why. Um, and uh, in doing that, I'm trying to uh, connect the, um, uh, you know, this, this period, uh, you know, in, in the early 20th century um, in Butler's life um, uh, with today um, and, and what, what the long tail effects are of these interventions and occupations and wars um, and the ways in which, you know, some of the warnings that Butler had, um, is, you know, at the end of his life about the ways in which war comes home, um, the ways in which uh, you know, violence abroad comes back uh, in, 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 the, in, 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 all, in all kinds of ways um, and uh, trying to connect that to the present day. So that's, that's, that's basically what I was trying to do. Yeah, no, great, thank you. Um, that kind of dives um, right into the, the next question I had for you, which was you know, what, what prompted you to write this particular book? Um, how did you, come to the story of Smedley Butler, you know, specifically as opposed to other U.S. military figures of the time, um, you know, because I, you know, Marines, we, 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 need to, we, we know part of our history a little bit, right? And we're familiar uh, with some of the other names of these, you know, especially the early pre-World War I into World War I guys who would later go on and become, you know, um, big decision makers and names in World War II. You know, um, General John A. Lejeune is one, for example, who I think comes up in your book as well, you know, but so, you know, we know a few names who float around in this time period in, in our own Marine Corps history, you know, why Smedley Butler and, and why this particular look at his career and, and the story behind it. So the way I came to, to Butler um, was, you know, as, as I said, I'm, I'm a journalist. Um, I've, I've never been in, in, in the military in any sense. Um, some, sometimes uh, people compare the Associated Press um, where I used to work 
so actually, so, uh, sometimes people call it the, the Marine Corps of journalism because uh, AP has the reputation for being the, the first one in and the last one out. Um, and also because, uh, uh, as, as, as uh, they say at, at The Wire, uh, you can't spell cheap without AP. Um, and uh, so I was the AP correspondent um, in Haiti. I was all over the world, but but uh, the, the the longest stint in my career, I spent three and a half years in Haiti. Um, I was there from 20, uh, 2007 until 2011, um, which means that uh, I was there and I survived, thankfully, um, the January 12th, 2010 earthquake. Um, and when I was writing uh, my first book, which was about the earthquake um, and the response um, and, the, the you know, I was digging into the reasons why um, a magnitude 7.0 earthquake. Um, for those of you who know earthquakes, I mean that's a it's a significant earthquake, but it it it's an earthquake that you know if if an earthquake of that magnitude hits a place that is ready for it, um, you know casualty counts can be rather low. Instead, in Port-au-Prince, uh, it became the deadliest earthquake ever recorded in in the Western Hemisphere. Um, the 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 death toll was somewhere between the hundred thousand and three hundred sixteen thousand. Um, uh, up to one in 10 people in, in Port-au-Prince in, in, in the capital metropolitan area died. And so I, as I was writing that book, I was looking into, you know, the history and trying to explain how conditions in Haiti got so precarious um, and, uh, you know, structures both, both uh, uh, political and material and literal got so weak um, that an earthquake like that could do such damage. And you can't tell that story in Haiti um, without talking about the US occupation, which was, by the way, the, the official name of it um, from 1915 to 1934. And that was an occupation in which Smedley Butler played a major role. So as I was writing that first book, it's called The Big Truck That Went By, um, I was looking into Butler, you know, I, I had encountered his name in like histories of Haiti. Um, but I didn't really know very much about him. And I was just sort of like doing a little bit of research to figure out like, you know, is this guy, is this somebody who could like, you know, be like a character, maybe carry this part of this chapter forward? Um, does, is there any information in here that I can mine to, to, you know, tell this story? And it was in, you know, Googling, basically, um, I found uh, all these other things that came up uh, because, so Butler is known in, in Haiti um, as being, you know, one of the worst of the Marines from the Haitian perspective, uh, the the one of the most méchant, uh, like evil, is 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 the the, the Haitian Creole uh, word that is often associated with him. Um, but at the end of his career, you know, I, I I I Google him, and all these other things come up by somebody else named Smedley Butler. It seems, um, you know, war is a racket. Um, you know, things about, uh, you know, blowing the whistle on an alleged, uh, you know, coup against Franklin Roosevelt in, in 1933, 1934. And I was like, you know, well, that can't be the same guy. Like, it must be his son. I don't know how many people there can be in the world named Smedley Butler. Um, but it didn't make any sense to me that somebody who um, had done all the things that he did in Haiti, which we can talk about, um, you know, sort of would have maybe had this change of heart or or written these things at the end of his life. And then I realized that, of course, he did. He was. And then I, you know, in, in this sort of initial phase of research, this was 10 years ago, um, I was like, oh, and then Butler was actually everywhere. He was in the Philippines. He was in Nicaragua, et cetera. And, um, and so, you know, I, I ended up using precisely none of this material in, in that first book. 
Um, I think he appears in, in a single footnote as a, as, you know, a, a, in, a, in a bound edition of his letters as a source of, of some information that I use about, um, you know, what, what, what the occupation wrought. But um, I, I kept him in my mind um, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't get him out of my mind. I couldn't figure out like, so who was this guy? Like, how, like what made him tick? Why did he make the decisions that he made? Um, and, and what can he, and what can his story tell us about America and about, and, and about the Marines and about the things that, you know, um, we've, we've, we as, as a country have, have done in the world. Um, and so I decided to, you know, embark on, on a book project about it. So, you know, it, it's, th that's a long winded way of saying, um, you know, there are many Marines of his generation. Um, who were in as many places as he was. Um, uh, you know, Dan Daly, of course, obviously won as many medals of honor as he did. And in some of the same places, Daly won him in, in, in China and, uh, and Haiti. He was actually recommended for a second one uh, by Smedley Butler. Um, and, and those were both places that Butler was as well, of course. So, you know, there, there are other Marines who, who, you know, looking back on it, like could have been a, a vehicle for this, but, um, but none of them, from a literary standpoint, from a from a journalistic standpoint, um, uh, you know, it, it is it is for me, you know, the fact that that Butler had this period, an extended period, it was a, you know a decade really, and he starts questioning things earlier than that, but that he that he goes through these kind of reflections um, that made him just uh, a, a much more uh, uh, interesting and and sort of like you know. Um, like you know, he, he he he's the kind of character who makes problems for himself, um, that then I, then makes problems for me as a writer and as a researcher that I have to then go solve, um, and try to figure out what well why did he say this? What was he doing? What was he thinking? If he was thinking that, why did he then do that anyway? Things like that, um, that you know that other people I think would have um, uh, not been as rich. But that said, um, the, you know the the book is intentionally titled uh, in in the plural. Gangsters of Capitalism, um, you know, Butler in, in 1935, uh, you know, the, the title, uh, for those who, who don't know, comes from um, uh, an article that, that Butler wrote uh, in a magazine called Common Sense. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's for, for, for people who know Smedley Butler, it's kind of the, the, the source of his uh, uh, famous confession of things. Like, he, you know, he's, he says, you know, uh, uh, he, he's talking about the things that he did in, 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 in Haiti and Central America and China, et cetera. And um, in that article, he says, I was a racketeer for capitalism, but I decided very early on before, you know, before I even uh, had, had the book contract um, that it wasn't going to be a book about one gangster of capitalism, about Smedley Butler. It was about it was about everyone. It was about all of these Marines. And then even, you know, uh, pulling the camera back even farther than that, um, the the, you know, Everybody who was in sort of the, you know the American apparatus, um, from business leaders to politicians to you know people in other service branches, etc., who Butler uh, is talking about, um, and so you know in, in that sense, um, you know it is you know Smelly Butler's on the cover, and 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 he's definitely the you know the main character of the book, um, but all those guys we were talking about, uh, Dan Daly, Jean Lejeune. Um, uh, Littleton Waller, who was who was Butler's um, uh, mentor in the Corps, 
um, you know, and many more. Um, they they all they all make appearances uh, throughout because it's it was a it was an a, an astoundingly small group of of people um, who were kind of everywhere doing everything. Yeah, and I, that's that's good context because you know you know to to I guess to only tell the Marine story like we don't just go to other countries on our own volition. You know, like we don't we don't like hey guys, do you all one thousand of you want to go on vacation and take all your weapons with you. Uh, we are told to go places, you know, by civilian authority to go do certain things. Um, so I think I, I'd like to kind of um, go more into the sort of the historical memory that you found in the places that you went to, you know, kind of starting with Haiti, but then as you, you moved around. Um, and so, you know, what, and your book does talk about this, but if you could sort of lay it out to the audience, um, what was the historical memory in these different places you know, from the people who live there, who were the ones who saw the Marines coming in, you know, as you described it in Haiti, um, you know, it seems like Butler's not the hero of that story. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's sort of the story that I don't want to oversimplify. I'm just sort of talking personal. My own historical memory is, you know, in the, in the Marines, we look at this period as a, um, it was formative for uh, a lot of, a lot of the, you know, people, you know, more than, more than one, not just Smedley Butler, but a lot of the people who had then leadership and more combat experience in World War One, and then who would go on to have, you know, more senior leadership and experience in World War Two, but sort of formative years. And we look at it as the small wars. I'm using air quote here. Small wars period, where um, we went to a lot of different places, and uh, and one of the outputs of that was the Small Wars Manual, which you know we we revisited. I don't know, call it a hundred years later, right? But looking back on what was going on in this period, um, the the institutional knowledge of the Marines who fought there, put it in that book. We looked at that when we went to Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Because we were getting into, again, air quotes, small wars. Um, what what did they do? You know, um, what were their lessons, and what how can we apply those to these new places that we're in now? Well, the application of those lessons, like they weren't done in a vacuum. They were done to the people, you know, the people who live there. They experienced those lessons that you know we captured in that book. So, what was their perspective? What is the historical memory of the small wars that we you know we put in a book and we looked at as a historical document? Um, what was it for the people who live there and who remember or or maybe don't remember um, the Marines coming to town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, and I mean um, uh, the small wars manual. By the way, um, I mean that really it comes out of the field notes of. You know Smedley Butler and and you know again the small group of, of Marines who, who fought under him. Um, uh, uh, you know a lot of, you know their experiences, uh, particularly in Haiti, um, and then but Butler was in in Nicaragua um, uh, earlier in the 19 teens. Um, but uh, Hickox Uckley and, and and the other uh, Marines who fought with Butler in Haiti, some of them then went back to uh, Nicaragua. Um, and 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 put some of the things that they had learned with with Butler as Butler was sort of you know helping invent counterinsurgency doctrine um, in 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 the mountains of northern Haiti in, in 1915 1916 um, they, they then put that into into uh, practice in in Nicaragua um, Chesty Puller is there as well um, and 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 that that essentially is what you know becomes uh, the small wars manual yeah no, uh, um, that, that, that's that's an important thing to talk about. Um, you know the 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 memory is it's it's interesting it it was it it varied there's not a single answer um you know we're talking about a bunch of different countries and a bunch of different people within those countries um you know in in Haiti 
Um, there's a very, very strong memory, uh, historical memory that's handed down of the U.S. occupation. Um, you know, for anybody who's been uh, uh, you know, paying attention to the news um, uh, this week, uh, the New York Times uh, put out a, a, a big package um, about uh, the, the French indemnity, the French ransom um, that was imposed on Haiti uh, in the aftermath of, of the Haitian Revolution, um, starting about two decades after the end of the Haitian Revolution. Um, and and that, that history, you know, it, it, it ties directly into the U.S. occupation uh, because, uh, you know, it was essentially U.S. banks, especially Citibank, uh, now Citigroup, um, that, uh, uh, you know, in, the, the, the Haitian government took out loans from the Americans to pay back um, this French ransom, um, and then that was used as a pretext uh, to uh, invade. The invasion actually starts uh, a couple months before the, the full invasion. Um, a group of Marines come ashore and and essentially rob the the, the Banque Nationale de la République d'Haïti, the, the Central Bank of Haiti, take about half a million dollars of gold up to to a, a vault on Wall Street, um, from which, as far as I can tell, it's it's never been returned. Um, and so, you know, in Haiti, um, you know, Haitians, uh, you know, they have a very strong cultural tradition of, first of all, their own revolution against the French, um, but also just sort of like other moments of resistance. Um, and so, you know, I talk in, in the book, um, I visit uh, a uh, industrial park that was built in the north of Haiti in the aftermath of the earthquake. Um, it's essentially a, a garment assembly complex. Um, and I'm talking to, uh, you know, Haitian construction workers who are, are building this thing. Um, and I'm telling them, you know, uh, I'm writing this book about, you know, uh, Smedley Butler and the era of Charlemagne Peralt, who's one of the big uh, Haitian resistance fighters who fights against the Marines and then is assassinated by Marines. Um, and, um, and you know, I'm telling him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm communicating this to Americans uh, because, you know, uh, so, so that they know this history that, 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 that we don't know. I didn't know this stuff, you know, I didn't learn this stuff growing up. Um, and he's incredulous. Like he, 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 he you know, he says, like, I can't believe, like, how, how is it possible that, that Americans have never heard this before? Um, in other places, um, uh, you know, for instance, in the Philippines, um, you know, that's a place where, uh, you know, because the Philippines was a, you know, wholly owned and annexed American colony for about half a century, uh, they, they got their independence in, in 1946. Um, and then, the, you know, the, the, you know, at the end of that, so, the, you know, the, 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 the beginning period, the, 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 the colonization, annexation, uh, benevolent assimilation, as, as President McKinley uh, uh, put it, um, part, and that's always, that is always uh, uh, repeated with, with dripping sarcasm in, in the Philippines. Um, you know, that was a very, very violent period um, in which, you know, the, the Americans and the Filipinos were, were bitter enemies. Um, at the end of this period, you know, in World War II, the Filipinos um, and the Americans are fighting side by side against the Japanese who have come to take the, the Philippines away from the Americans um, as part of a, you know, a great power, you know, competition uh, in the Pacific. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, over the, the, the half century after that, you know, plus, um, you know, the, the relationship gets complicated because, you know, the United States maintains, uh, you know, a, a, a huge degree of uh, influence over Filipino politics um, that includes supporting the dictator Ferdinand Marcos. 
But again, had you know, just in the headlines like from this month, you know, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., Bong Bong Marcos is now the, the president of the Philippines. Um, so, you know, after after the Filipino people, uh, you know, rose up to overthrow his father, um, complicated. But, um, you know, so in the Philippines, it, it, it was it was there was a really interesting mix. Um, I uh, to use one specific example from the book, um, I go to um, a town called Balangiga, uh, which is on the island of Samar for from the march across Samar, which which uh, uh, a lot of Marines know from from your history. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to see the place where. Um, you know, there was the massacre of, of uh, Company C of the, the uh, Army 9th Infantry. Um, and then there was this revenge massacre, the, the Howling Wilderness Campaign, as it's known, um, uh, in which Littleton Waller, Smedley Butler's mentor, um, uh, you know, commanded it as a major. Um, and I wanted to see what kind of memory there was. And there was a lot. There was a there was a a, a statue like a, this huge like life-size diorama of like Samareño villagers like getting ready to massacre the American soldiers in the middle of, of, of the town square. There was an annual pageant that they put on in which they they reenact both the massacre of the, the American soldiers and then the massacre of, of the Filipino civilians, the Samareño civilians um, in, in revenge. Uh, 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 villagers dress up as Marines um, they, uh, uh, they, uh, uh, they all dye their hair blonde, um, for the part, um, a, a, uh, one, one of the, one of the, the, the Balangiganon, uh, uh, kids who, who plays as, um, uh, a Marine is Littleton Waller. He's, he's introduced by name. Uh, he carries a, 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 a toy silver pistol instead of a, a toy crag. Um, amazingly accurate crags actually that they were carrying. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and it, and it ends with, you know, just like the horrible, like scene they, 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 they basically construct a village of like life-size houses and then burn them like in, in front of this crowd on an elementary school soccer field. Um, and then at the end of it, you know, they, they, they come out and, and, and everybody who's basically died in this massacre, like stands up and, and, uh, uh somebody comes out waving the Filipino flag. Um, but I, I was talking to, um, the mayor of of uh, Balangiga. Um, and I was, you know, asking, you know, so what do you think about Americans today? What do you think about Marines today? Um, and uh, his answer was, well, my brother was a US Marine. Um, because again, you know, like these ties are, are really deep and really profound and really complicated. Um, and, you know, he's talking about he has, you know, brother is a Marine, he has other siblings who live in the US. Um, and he says, you know, uh, you know, well, this is all, you know, past. We have to, you know, kind of for, forget it and move on. And I was like, but, but, but earlier in this conversation, you were talking about how important it is to remember the past, and that's why you have this memorial, and that's why you do this pageant, et cetera, um, and that's why they were at that time um, uh, clamoring for the return of of uh, church bells that had been taken, uh, actually, by the army as as booty in, in the in the uh, aftermath of this massacre. Uh, they, they were returned a year after that. After after I went to to visit, um, and I say, you know, it's almost like you have to remember and forget at the same time. And he says, yes. Um, and th there are other examples. I mean, I could talk about, you know, uh, in all the other places that I went. That there's there's other kinds of examples, but but it's it's really it's really a range. Um, in the Philippines, um, there's a big conversation going on about people trying to 
uh, sort of um, uh, reclaim and uncover the, the, the history and the memory of the Philippine-American War, which was a memory that was suppressed during you know, decades of American colonial administration. Um, uh, and so, you know, th th these are, uh, th th these aren't simple questions anywhere, including in our own country. Um, but, but the 1 thing that I would say is, and of course, you know, I was a little bit. You know, as, as they say, you know, uh, uh, when, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I mean, I was going and looking for historical memory. So, of course, I found historical memory. Um, you know, I don't know what it would have been like, uh, uh, you know. Except in Haiti, where, where, where I lived, and also the Dominican Republic, where they also remember the U.S. occupation there. Um, uh, and I, I also lived in the Dominican Republic for a couple of years before I moved to Haiti. Um, you know, it's hard to say. You know, what, what like, you know, what would I have encountered any kinds of sites of memory uh, of this kind in China, uh, in in um, in the Philippines, in in Nicaragua? Had I not been looking for them, that's a hard question to answer. But I can say. Um, and I, I know I've, I've gone on at length, but we could talk about um, uh, the, the, the example of China more because that, that that's a really important one. Um, that that you know, once you look for them, they're everywhere, and especially in China, where they're using their memory of what is officially known um, as as uh, the, their national humiliation, their hundred years of humiliation, um, in which the U.S. plays a major role. That is used by the government of of uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, to you know, uh, stir up all kinds of, of anti-American sentiment and um, uh, and 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 stoke this new great power rivalry across the Pacific. Um, so uh, you know, these are all very very important conversations to be having. Yeah, and maybe uh, if, I think in especially the if we could explore the China example a little bit more because that's obviously of you know we were, I was talking about force design earlier, like a, not not all, but a significant portion of our force design changes are are aimed you know, at China and in that region. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, I remember the story of the, you know, the 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 play, the annual play that you just talked about. And like that, you know, that that's not something they just stood up for your benefit. You know, that's obviously something that's deeply rooted. And so uh, it, it makes you sit up and go, wow, um, like every year this is a I don't know if celebration is the right word or a commemoration. Um, but the fact that this, you know, this is reenactment, that's a very strong, powerful uh, memory from the other side. Um, yeah. So maybe if you if you could talk more about some of the uh, what you found when talking to because you've made a couple trips to China, if I remember, or at least to some different places. Um, how. I, I guess sort of what you what you saw there um, directly, but maybe also. Um, what it how it felt to you perhaps as a as a, an example of maybe managed memory if if you sort of like because the chinese you know yeah. government obviously has its own views on what you remember what you can talk about what you can't and emphasizes certain things um and i and i i i bring that up because uh, one of my deployments i went to uh um you know we went around to we were based out of okinawa but we went to the Philippines, we went to Hong Kong, went to Singapore, and I saw some, in, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'll bring it back here in a second. I saw some examples of, of what different peoples remembered from those places, and things like the memories of World War II are very, very strong. For example, places the Japanese did go, um, you want to talk about strong historical memories. There are many of this, like Singapore in particular, they have not forgotten what it was like to be under Japanese occupation. And then I went to Hong Kong, um, 
this is when we were still doing port visits. I doubt we're doing that anymore. Um, you know, but we went to look at the old, um, you know, British fortifications and there were small museums, you know, but the emphasis of that memory was definitely the badness of the Japanese, right? Coming in there. You don't get into, and be very interesting. Again, I don't think we could go to Hong Kong now, but um, that was when that city was still relatively free and open and like walking around as, as American service members, um, not a big deal because it was still a, a, the, 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 the historical memory of what it was like to be, you know, a democratic government was still there. Um, I, I sort of wonder what it would look like now if we went back to visit those fort if fortifications, if we ever got to go back and visit um, in terms of how they manage that memory now in Hong Kong under the context of, you know, dismantling other things that the people in Hong Kong used to remember. But with that, what is sort of the what, what was the, the experience of the Chinese people you talked to of the American presence? And what were your thoughts on? Did that seem to be a um, like a an organic, a, a, a genuine feeling and memory of the Americans? Or did it feel to you like was that maybe something that was managed by the authorities as well? That was a very long question. No, it's a very good question, though. Um, it. Um, so. I'll, I'll, I'll answer it like this. I mean, um, and, 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 and I'm answering this both through, um, you know, my own experiences, um, uh, you know, reporting in China. Um, and also, you know, I, I, I went pretty deep into the historiography and, and, and was, you know, talking to you know, a lot of, of experts, both Chinese and American. Um, so um, for those unfamiliar, um, Butler, and by the way, when you were in Okinawa, you passed through Camp Smedley D. Butler, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, um, uh, which is also, it's, and it's very ironic that that they named that they named a, a, a base in Okinawa for for Butler after he, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he 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 spent the last ten years of his life uh, trying to keep the United States from from fighting in in uh, sec the Second World War, and specifically the way he wanted to do that was to to uh, relinquish uh, America's uh, Pacific Island possessions. And now there's a base named for for Smelly Butler on a Pacific Island that we did not possess at the time that that he died. Um, but, uh, so in, uh, so, uh, the, the first time the Butler goes to China is in 1900. Um, he is part of the, uh, uh, it's, it's known as in, in China as the, uh, eight nation, uh, allied force. Um, it was, it was an alliance between, um, uh, basically eight, uh, uh, well, seven Western powers, including the United States and Japan. Um, to invade China uh, to put down uh, what was known as, as the Boxer Rebellion, um, which, again, that's a little bit complicated. It started as sort of a, it, 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 it started in, in, to some extent, it was an anti-foreign rebellion, it was an anti-missionary rebellion, uh, but it was also uh, at the beginning sort of, uh, you know, against the, 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 the ruling dynasty of China, but then the, the Qing dynasty, uh, the, the imperial dynasty allied with uh, these peasant uh, rebels, um, and then and then the you know this this eight uh, nation allied force invaded. That included the United States, um, and uh, uh, it, it was a you know a, a, a bloody campaign. Um, it was it was a it was it was, it was a very intense war, um, and then um, uh, and then Butler returns uh, in the 1920s as a general. Um, uh, with it, with uh, the Marine, uh, he was based at, at that time out of San Diego, um, and this is a period in Chinese history. Um, that we're getting out of sort of what is known as the warlord period, 
Um, so basically, the Qing dynasty has fallen in large part, uh, you know, as a result of things that were set in motion by that invasion in 1900. Um, and a Republic of China has been declared by, by Sun Yat-sen, uh, but rival warlords and, and another rival government are all fighting for control. Um, and then in 1927, right as Butler arrives, uh, basically the, the ruling party of the Republic of China, uh, the Guomindang, uh, the Nationalist Party, it splits into its own civil war between two camps, the nationalist uh, uh, right wing of the party and the, and the communist left. Um, and, and that becomes the Chinese Civil War. So, so Butler is literally there at the moment in Shanghai when, when this goes from sort of the warlord period, as is often known in history, to the Chinese Civil War. Um, and the Japanese are there as well, by the way, um, uh, engaging uh, uh, the nationalists and, and Chiang Kai-shek. Um, and Butler, uh, you know, kind of he spends his, his couple of years um, in, in the 1920s uh, trying to prevent the outbreak of a, a Sino-Japanese war, um, which he is convinced is going to bring in the Americans, which of course it ultimately does when, when that ends up happening a decade later. Um, so um, uh, throughout Chinese history since then, there have been sort of different periods of, of uh, you know, different kinds of attention paid to um, different moments. Um, uh, you know, uh, Mao, uh, Mao Zedong used the Boxer Rebellion uh, sometimes in, in, in state propaganda and also tried to suppress that memory sometimes. Um, uh, it, it's, it's an uncomfortable memory for anybody who's running China today um, because, you know, it was a it was a moment in which, you know, Chinese peasants uh, without authorization, like, you know, rose up um, and started, you know, reacting violently to to it was again it was primarily directed to against foreigners but and and actually the the uh the most brutal violence by the boxers as they were known um is against uh, chinese christians um uh in in uh shandong and shanxi province um and so you know and so it's it, it's it's kind of a complicated thing because like for the chinese government it's like okay they like like the anti-foreign part um, you know, they like sort of like the, the, the sort of, uh, you know, kind of Han ethno-nationalism piece of it, um, but they don't really like the part where like people were just sort of freelancing their own insurrection um, because, they, because they know that that could happen to them. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and so that memory has been, that memory was sort of, you know, carried forward extra officially. Um, but it is, but but it is used in different ways, and it, it, it's it's more that that memory exists, and then the, and then you know the, the government of, of the People's Republic, the, the Chinese Communist Party, tries to direct it into directions that they think are, are going to be more productive for them. Okay, so I you know so 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 in the conversations that I had um, with uh, you know most Chinese people, uh, you know in 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 my reporting trip. Um, and also the, you know, I, I visit um, the Dagu Fort Ruins Museum where, where um, uh, Butler and, 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 and his Marines landed along with the rest of the international forces in 1900. Um, so sort of like the official story there is that foreigners were trying to take advantage of China. China like rose up as one and and well actually they lost that war so they're not saying that they lost that war but but the, but the idea is that they were weak um and and that's why they lost that war 
Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, uh, China needs to get stronger militarily and economically um, and ideologically so that it can then, you know, fight against um, these, these, you know, uh, foreign imperial incursions, right? Um, and I, you know, I, I talk in the book um, about, uh, you know, I, I sit down with, with uh, Chinese scholars at the uh, Center for Boxer Studies um, at, at Shandong University. And I asked them, uh, you know, during this uh, uh, conversation, you know, um, well, what do you guys think about the fact that China is embarking on an imperial adventures of its own? I mean, literally while I was there, um, uh, the first Chinese overseas base uh, was opened um, in Djibouti, um, right, right next to the American one. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of other, other, you know, kind of uh, uh, Chinese, uh, you know, uh, economic and, and to some extent military, well, certainly in, in the South China Sea, a lot of military expansionism going on, um, which feels very threatening to people in the Philippines and Vietnam and, and other countries in, in the neighborhood and Japan. Um, and I was saying, you know, like, well, what do you think about the fact it does, do you worry that you might be following the example of the eight power allied force that the Americans that, that Smelly Butler was, was, was fighting uh, and, and the Americans and Smelly Butler were, was, was fighting as a part of in 1900. Um, and they, uh, uh, they got very uncomfortable and, and, and canceled lunch. Um, this is sort of how that conversation ended. Um, uh, and then the other, you know, uh, um, the other thing that I'll say, there are a lot of different uh, threads to, to, um, uh, pull out there, um, but but uh, Japan is is a really interesting. It's a really interesting uh, piece of this, um, because as I noted, so you know Butler is very worried about the Japanese when he's in China in 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 the late twenties. Um, he sees that you know J that Japan has designs on controlling China, um, as do like you know all, you know most of the imperial powers. Although by that point you know, most of the imperial powers had sort of given up on, on, you know, trying to control China in the sense that they were maybe thinking about 20 years, uh, 30 years earlier, um, but that the Japanese haven't given this up. Um, and he sort of sees himself as, you know, he's sort of beginning to put his anti-war um, uh, uh, leanings into action as a Marine Corps general, and he's trying to keep his Marines out of combat. Um, and he's trying to, and he's trying, and, and he does successfully um, keep, uh, a, a a sort of an uh, an allied international force, which would have also included um, the British, but but importantly the Japanese, from engaging um, the the Chinese nationalists as they're as they're moving through uh, the city of Tianjin, um, and uh, uh, you know you know so 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 you know he, he was playing around with that in his own moment, um, you know in in Chinese state propaganda now. Um, you know, the memory of uh, Japanese atrocities um, in the Second World War. Um, and again, that's not a memory that has been uh, uh, smoothly, you know, and, and, and consistently applied throughout uh, Chinese history. Mao, in particular, did not love talking about uh, you know, like the, the rape of Nanjing. Um, uh, it was, you know, to him, it was, it was a, it was a, a humiliating episode and, and he, and, and he much wanted, wanted to, to emphasize the, the role that the communists had played in, in, in helping defeat the Japanese, um, and then taking over the entire country. But, um, uh, uh, but, you know, today, you know, Japan is a very strong ally of the United States. Um, and so, you know, in Chinese propaganda, um, you know, the, 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 the there's, there's a lot of effort uh, made 
um, somewhat ironically, right? If you know it, like, you know, given, given the realities of what actually happened in, in World War II, the fact that Japan and the United States were, you know, mortal enemies. Um, but, th but there's a lot of effort made to sort of be like, oh, you know, well, the Americans are going to come and they're going to mess with China and they've got, and, and, and they're working with the Japanese, um, you know, they're, 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 they're longtime friends uh, who did all these horrible things to us. And even though like, the Americans were here with us fighting against them at the time, you know, that, that, you know, there's different ways of telling stories and, and, and different kind of emphasis that can be put on. On different parts, so so yeah, I mean, just you know, to 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 bring it in for landing, I would say, like as I said, uh, you know, with, with regard to the, the Box Rebellion, you know, um, you know, China, you know, any country is it's you know, it's full of individuals, um, and and China uh, is you know got more individuals than any other country, um, and and so there's there's a lot of there are a lot of different ways in which these memories have been handed down, and much of it is very organic. Um, the government tries to channel it in ways that are going to be more effective and mo more efficient uh, from their perspective. Um, but but that kind of that kind of uh, 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 that kind of thing can only go so far. And that that's also true, you know, here in the United States. Yeah, no, it's, it seems like there's there's echoes of what you're what that that person you talked to in the Philippines said, which is, you know, we're both remember and don't remember at the same yeah. time um, and uh, that. Yeah, that does make things very messy, uh, especially when you're trying to rebuild a story of what actually happened. Um, and there's there's a, a lot of stuff we could uh, we could more deeply explore. But I do I want to allow time for audience folks to start um, and any questions if they have it. And I also want to make sure we're uh, we're preserving your time as well. Um, so I have a I have a couple more um, questions to get to myself, and then for the audience, if you have anything, go ahead and enter it into the chat because um, I, I do want to try and make sure we honor everybody's time as well. Um, before we close this thing out, but um, so what? Uh, I, I'm interested in the response of your readership, and specifically Marine Corps readership, um, or at least those ones who've communicated uh, communicated with you on the book. Because you know, like I kind of said uh, earlier, you know, obviously Butler's not the hero of the story in Haiti for the Haitians, you know, but we sort of look at ourselves as the heroes of our own story. Um, you know, we're like, we do, we're not sent to places to do bad things. We're sent there to, you know, do good things to either protect our own people or protect others. Um, and, uh, that is not the narrative. That's not the story that comes through or the story that gets told in your book. So what, what's the Marine Corps readership, uh, response been to that? Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping for some from, from response today. Um, I mean, generally speaking, the, the response to the book has been positive. Um, I think, you know, to a certain extent, any, you know, a, a, a book is, you know, often kind of a self-selecting readership. I mean, people don't generally open a book unless they have some idea what they're getting into. And if, and if, if, if their expectations uh, don't match what they get, um, sometimes that, th those are, those are sometimes the things that, that, that people don't like that, you know, sort of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking about sort of in general, not just with regard to my book. Um, uh, some, you know, sometimes w w without, uh, uh, regardless of, of the quality of, of, of the book itself, if it's, if it's not what you were expecting to read, um, sometimes that, that, that's, that's enough to, to turn you off from it and the author. Um, you know, look, I mean, the, the stories that I'm telling in this book are not pleasant. Um, uh, these are not, these are not moments, uh, that, 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 uh, make America, uh, look particularly good. 
Um, and you know, as, as Smedley Butler, uh, you know, was 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 the first to tell us, um, you know, when when, when he's looking back on this mo these moments, um, you know, people have, um, you know, they're you know, especially as you get into uh, current politics, um, you know, because the, the book goes you know right up through January sixth and and uh, you know the end of the Trump presidency, um, uh, and uh, it was it, it was out of my hands before uh, the end of, of uh, the war in Afghanistan. Um, although there are a lot of, uh, I, I think the book stands and, and, and can help sort of, you know, explain a lot about, you know, what happened. I mean, I talk about Afghanistan and the ways in which uh, these these early 20th uh, century conflicts uh, helped inform and presage those of, of the early 21st. Um, you know, as you get into more modern day politics, uh, people have start getting stronger opinions. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, most people don't have a, you know, particularly strong opinion about, you know, I don't know, Augusto Sandino, uh, you know, in Nicaragua, but they have very strong opinions one way or another about, you know, Donald Trump. Um, and so as I, as I, you know, talk about those things, um, you know, you know, that's sometimes the, the, the place where, where I start getting, um, uh, pushback, um, the Federalist, uh, the conservative publication, gave the book a a a, a broadly great review, um, uh, but they said, uh, but they 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 I forget exactly how they worded it, but they were basically like, you know, but when when Katz gets into his, um, I don't know, delusions or whatever about Donald Trump, like that's where he, he he lost me, and I'm like, yeah, fair enough, like I wouldn't expect the Federalist to to to, to be on board with with that. We I can talk more about the, the ways in which because I'm I'm actually I'm making an argument in the book about the ways in which um, uh, American violence and American war abroad um, does get uh, uh, you know reimported home. Um, in, in in terms of 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 it can and it can you know turn into forms of uh, violence and dehumanization um, and and sort of you know you know general uh, you know ge general you know general postures of of uh, of of, of uh, difference and subjugation and um, and so you know those have been some moments that uh, you know not necessarily I guess sometimes people email me um, uh, you know leave you know one star reviews on on amazon things like that um but generally speaking you know you know people seem to like it um you know the marines i know personally of course because like they're my friends like they they they, they they're really into the book um and, and it speaks to a lot of them about um their experiences i mean i will say um uh i just gave a a uh, you know it's been COVID, so i've been you know talking about this book in this way, like sort of like in this box. Um, but I, I finally got back out into the world um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I, I was at a book fair um, outside of DC and there were some um, some veterans, some some active duty folks who were about to leave. Um, I think the the one I remember talking to the most was was Army. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really spoke to it really spoke to him and, and, and his experience. Um, I, I also did a, a, a podcast, uh, which some of you guys may know, called "The Hell of a Way to Die," um, uh, and it, th 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 those are also um, uh, veterans. One's a Marine, I think. One was a soldier, um, and and uh, you know they had me on, and, and they talked about the ways in which uh, you know reading gangsters um, spoke to them about their own personal experiences in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, I, I think that. Um, 
you know, generally, you know, uh, the ways in which, you know, you know, Butler, um, and, and this really comes through in his letters. And, and by the way, I, I, I uh, you know, a big, big shout out to, to uh, the Marine Corps archive at Quantico because, uh, you know, a, a ton of the research that I did uh, was, was sitting in, in that room um, going through, uh, uh, you know, box after box after box of, of Butler's voluminous uh, uh, letter collection that were preserved uh, by his family. There are also some other repositories of his letters in a couple other places, but, but Quantico has, has the, the bulk of them. Like, you can really see in, in his letters, you know, somebody who's at war in real time, um, you know, both Sometimes he's very proud of what he's doing. Sometimes he's really struggling with what he's doing. Um, uh, you know, sometimes he's bored. Oftentimes he wants to be somewhere else doing something more exciting. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I, I very much recognized in him and his letters, um, you know, his experiences with um, both PTSD, which I deal with in my own life uh, through my experiences in, in, uh, in, in, in conflict situations and especially the earthquake. Um, and, and also uh, his uh, experience of, of what's now known as, as moral injury. Um, you know, all of those things really come through. And I think a lot of a lot of uh, veterans and a lot of people who, who've, who've uh, uh, you know, served in the Corps, um, I think they recognize that in him. And, and I think it comes out. Um, and I, I don't want to like spoil the end of the book, but uh, in, in the epilogue, you know, I, I talked to uh, he's, he's Air Force, um, but I talked to a, a guy um, who I run into at, at Butler's grave. Um, who also spoke to that. So I, I think, um, uh, you know, and I don't know the extent to which, you know, like if every single Marine read this, like what their response would be, but I think the ones who are finding the book um, that, 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 that it is, you know, to some extent speak, speaking to, to, to things that they've gone through and things that they're dealing with. Yeah, no, and actually uh, your, your ending comments there. Um, I had a question here from Nayla Mengel who uh, works over at our National Museum of the Marine Corps um, and, it, I think it, her question was, you know, did you feel a an affinity with Stanley Butler? Um, because yeah, you you know you were someone who who has done reporting um, on you. You talked about it earlier, you know, um, investigating what the UN was doing down in Haiti and the offshoots of that. Um, and it, and it does sound like you've, you you recognize some things that he was going through that you you went through in your own career as a journalist. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I um, and also. Uh, uh, Shout out to the, the, the Museum of the Marine Corps is great. Um, got to see Smelly Butler's uniforms and uh, the, the, his, his flag topper from his uh, uh, flag of the uh, gendarmerie de IT, the, 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 the client militia that he set up down there. Um, that, was, that, was, that was also a wonderful experience. I, I, I actually talk about the, the, the museum um, in the book, especially the, the World War I exhibit in, in, in the chapter about Butler's time at the rear in, in World War I. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, I did, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely did feel an affinity for him. It's a complicated affinity um, because, you know, like he's, he's doing horrible things. Um, and, and, you know, it, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's very hard um, to, to, you know, read about some of the things that, that he did um, and some of the things that, that, you know, he, he looked away uh, on, you know, in his life, at, you know, you know, as they were happening and say that, you know, like, oh, like, you know, my, my, my good friend Smedley. Um, but, you know, but he's also funny and thoughtful and interesting and complicated in the way that, that, that people are. Um, and it's very hard as, you know, in so, insofar as this is a biography of Butler, it's very hard to, you know, spend time 
uh, with the subject of a biography and not and not develop a, a, a real affinity for for them. Um, I actually got to know um, uh, I, I talked to two of Butler's uh, granddaughters, uh, both of whom were in their 80s. Um, one of whom in particular, uh, Philippa Wheely, um, uh, was, was a, a great help for me, especially in the, in the latter stages of, of, of putting the book together. Um, and, um, uh, and, and I, I felt a, a great affinity for her and, and, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it I, 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 I could, I could, I visited, you know, Butler's house, uh, at the end of his life in, in Newtown Square. And I, I could definitely, uh, see all of us, uh, sort of, you know, uh, you know, hanging out around the fire, but maybe, maybe, I don't know, I don't know that we would have agreed on everything. Um, but, but, but I did, I, I did, um, I did recognize something and I recognized something as, as, as I was noting, um, in, in, in his experience and his, and his questioning of his own experience. Um, you know, again, I was not, I, I've, I've never been a, a Marine, um, but I have been an American abroad, um, you know, in a, in a position of, of relative power over the people around me, um, who was making decisions that had effects on people's lives. Um, you know, what stories I told, what stories I didn't, what, what things I investigated, um, what official lines I, I, you know, repeated, um, you know, or, you know, sourced, but, you know, perhaps uh, less critically than I should have. Um, and I did, I do recognize in Butler, um, somebody who uh, was looking back over, over a lifetime of, of doing those things. I too, like, didn't choose where I went. I mean, you know, especially when I was at AP, um, you know, they were just like, go, you know, the reason I moved to Haiti was because my boss called me and said, go to Haiti. So I went to Haiti. That was it. That was the only reason I went there. Um, and, and, you know, I, like, I, I, I did feel, I, I do feel some, um, I do feel some, some sort of kinship there. Um, but it's an uncomfortable kinship because, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also looking at, at, at things that I've done in my own life that, 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 uh, that, that made me uncomfortable. Um, which, you know, from a narrative standpoint, I think makes it a, a richer book, but, um, uh, but yeah, those are definitely things to think about. Yeah, no, I, I can, I can appreciate, you know, you, you, you can have uh, you can have empathy without having sympathy, I guess, you know, for, you know, to, as you said, uh, the things that that he went and executed as a Marine that you describe in the book, uh, horrible things, um, not not things that you would, you know, put on uh, that you would sort of hang on your wall afterwards. Um, but in kind of in, in that line, though, like as sort of that this how it started and how it's going thing, right? Like he he started and in some of the correspondence, I recall you know, um, what, uh, what he was doing as a Marine and what his units were doing there, um, didn't seem to really affect him, you know, only to the point of, he wished he could do more of it. Right. Like he had, he was constantly frustrated. He wasn't sort of getting out into the action. Um, you know, but he still ended his life, you know, writing this very, um, anti-war screed and going kind of on the lecture circuit. Um, yeah. so it like, whether he, he eventually, um, felt that he he was ashamed of everything he had done or if there was just like some of the things he had done but it seemed to bother him enough that at the end of his life he really had a you know he was he was singing a different tune and he was trying to do achieve different goals than he had when he was in uniform um why do you th like but he as you said like it's plural right it's gangsters right not gangster there were many other people who were involved in the same things at the time and they didn't go off in this direction why do you think what what made him eventually um change his perspective near the end of his life? Why did, why did the things he did seem to, you know, eventually bother him to the point where he felt he had to, um, to, to, to 
to not have the future go the same way as the things that he had done. What, was there something about him, about his his um, his associates or his personality that why did this impact him, you know, much more than his, you know, his other fellows in uniform? I mean, I think his, his, his personal personality, I'm, I'm sure, had a lot to do with it. Um, for, uh, he was, you know, as I talk about in the book, a Quaker. Um, and uh, so he, you know, he grew up on Philadelphia's mainline from in a prominent Quaker family. Um, and, um, you know, the reason why he joined the Marine Corps in 1898, um, you know, he joined, uh, you know, he was a teenager, he's 16, and he joins to fight against imperialism. Um, he joins because there are all these reports coming out of Cuba about the horrible things, and they were horrible that the Spanish Empire was doing to Cubans who were fighting for their own freedom. Um, the biggest one was they invented uh, Reconcentración, uh, which American newspapers translated as concentration camps. This is, this is where the idea of the concentration camp comes from, um, was, was, uh, it was initially a Spanish policy in Cuba in the 1890s. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, it's less Butler having a change of heart and more of him sort of uh, uh, working through a, a contradiction that had been, uh, you know, dogging him his entire life um, and sort of ending up kind of back where he started. Um, I mean, in, insofar as it's a personal psychological thing, I mean, I think, you know, he's like, you know, he was a Quaker who became a Marine. So like he's, 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 he's already sort of like a rebellious Quaker. And then that, you know, and then that, you know, lends itself to then kind of becoming a, a, a rebellious Marine, um, you know, who's, who's um, you know, speaking truth to power. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of his career, he's court-martialed um, for uh, insulting Benito Mussolini uh, in 1931. You know, again, this is something that, you know, I think looking back on it, of course, good for him. He insulted Benito Mussolini, but it, 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 they rang him up for a court-martial, um, uh, the, the Hoover administration. Um, there's a whole bunch that we can we, we can talk about there. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, he, he starts questioning, you know, the first part of his career that I really detected in his letters, any kind of questioning of the things that he was doing, was in Nicaragua in the early 19-teens. Um, that's where he starts talking about how, you know, we're only down here because Brown Brothers Bank has some money here, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and he he also wasn't alone in that. There were others, there were other, uh, even more senior, um, uh, you know, US military officers um, who were in Nicaragua during that time being like, what are we doing? But of course, you know, as you note, that didn't keep Butler from doing anything. He ends up, uh, it's, it's after writing sort of those letters to his parents where he's questioning his mission that he then, you know, uh, carries out his, his um, uh, you know, he, 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 he leads troops into what is his biggest battle, crushing um, the, sort of the Nicaraguan democratic resistance uh, uh, against the American occupation. Um, but the last, the, you know, the other thing I would say about it um, is that he never, re he never rejects you know, having been a Marine, um, you know, he tries to give back one of his medals of honor. Uh, that that's uh, it, it, it's as, as soon as he gets it for for the Battle of Veracruz. Um, although that is really because he feels that he he didn't do anything heroic that he didn't earn it um, in, in that battle because you know predominantly the, the Americans during that invasion of Mexico are, are fighting um, essentially civilians, children, uh, and women. Uh, because the, the the Mexican federal troops have, have pulled back from the city at that point. Um, but, you know, 
you know, he, beyond that, you know, he doesn't get, he doesn't ever make any attempt to give back the second medal of honor. Um, and, uh, you know, he is, he's buried without military honors, I think at his family's request, but his gravestone, it's a Quaker gravestone with, with Quaker dating on it and the impression of a medal of honor and Semper Fidelis. Um, you know, he, throughout the 1930s, when he is sort of doing his wars a racket thing, he's on the speaking circuit. Um, he is decrying um, American imperialism. He's warning about the coming of, of a great war um, with Japan in particular um, in, in the Pacific. Um, you know, in all of that time, um, he is, um, uh, you know, he, he's doing so under, under uh, a, a framework that he is an American, that he is pushing for American values, and that he's a Marine. Um, and that, and that, and that sort of, I, I think from his point of view, it was, he was like, just as, you know, I put myself in uncomfortable situations, um, and did what I thought I needed to do, um, in these places, uh, you know, which was, you know, following my orders, um, and, and carrying out my mission. Um, I am now doing, uh, an uncomfortable thing that I think it is my, uh, responsibility to do in, Talking about the things that um, uh, that 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 we did that were wrong, and the ways in which uh, this is you know inspiring um, uh, you know an incipient fascist movement in the United States in in the 1930s. Um, so you know for him, you know he like he he could have he could have taken the rejection even farther and been like you know just like you know burned his uniform and been like I was never a Marine. but he doesn't do that. He does say he does say things that that are very um uh you know negative about the core but when he says you know looking back on it uh i think we could have given al capone a few hints the best uh, he ever did was operate in three city districts we marines operated on three continents what he is saying from his point of view what he is saying is he's not saying like and thus disband the core his point of view was that the core was misused that 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 the Marine Corps was 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 a, a tool that it was taken advantage of, um, and that it was it was you know for, I think from his point of view the politicians the the capitalists, um, uh, you know, the bankers like from from his point of view it, it you know the, the Marines were good and that they were put into these into these uh, uh, situations uh, wrongly. Um, you can complicate that you know I. I Especially looking at you know the writings of his mentor Littleton Waller, a just unabashed white supremacist, um, you know, it's you know it's it gets a little complicated, um, but from but you know but but definitely from Butler's point of view, like you know he 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 I think he went to his grave and he died in, in 1940. Um, I think he went to his grave thinking um, that he, that he was a um, that he was both a good Marine. Um, and a good Quaker, um, as 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 many contradictions as that uh, um, as that uh, uh, pairing uh, brings, and that and and those were the contradictions that that uh, ran through his life, and and as I talk about in, in Gangsters, that's why it makes it such a, a, an amazing uh, lens and story to, to talk about the, the history of of, of the United States, um, because you know in a lot of ways those are the contradictions that we all live. Yeah, and actually, uh, I'll uh, I, I just put it in the chat. Um... If folks are able to hang on a little bit past the hour here, well, I got a couple more questions that I would like to 
to get in front of you um, as well if you got the at the time here. Yeah, um, yeah, I got but that that point of contradictions actually leads very well into one of the next questions here, and this is from Jeffrey Alperin, and um, the I'll, I'll sort of frame the context like so. You know, your book looks at a very um, uncomfortable and unpleasant time in American history, mm-hmm. um, and there are lots of other times in American history that um, are uncomfortable and um, and not great and uh, and are full of contradictions about the possible trajectory of the country. And the point he brings up is that, you know, it's very hard to to look well um, in an era where, you know, the, the last week we've had a bunch of mass shootings, for example, you know, up up and to include the one about 48 hours ago. Um, you know, which is a father of a, someone who's a, a kindergartner who just graduated. You know, I, his last day of school was yesterday. And uh, man, I was having thoughts about what the last day of school really meant, you know, but that this is what's going on around us, you know, right now here. So with, you know, looking at the the area of history you examine and then, you know, as as American history has had its its, you know, its ups and downs. Um, what what are your thoughts on on the trajectory of America's future? Are you optimistic about the future? And if you are, why? Um, uh, that's a good question. Am I optimistic about the future? <laughs> um, I try to retain optimism. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm saying this a lot these days, but like I'm, I, I kind of try to retain it tactically <laughs> because, um, you know, uh, as, as they say online, taking the black pill um uh, you know like it's just giving up i mean to me um it's pointless uh, you know it's just to, 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 there are a lot like, look there are a lot of very bad, bad trend lines going on both in terms of um you know degradation of our democracy um you know uh uh, uh you, know, you know episodes of of violence um uh you know climate change um you know the fact that like you know like you know obviously there's a a, a major war that is that 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 uh, we are involved in on the periphery in 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 Europe um you know uh in the last week you know there have been i mean i don't think i don't think a a i don't think a mainland invasion of of taiwan is 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 coming anytime soon um if you guys get word on that please let me know <laughs> um but um uh, but you know, but but uh, uh, there's been you know more talk about it, you know, and, and especially in, in regards to some of the things that, that, that the president has said. Um, you know, like you know, we're in the middle of another COVID wave, um, which doesn't seem to be go anywhere. Um, you know, like there are a lot of monkeypox. Like there, there are a lot of there are a lot of um, uh, there are a lot of trend lines that are that that uh, don't give a whole lot of reason for optimism. Um, the reason why I maintain or try to maintain a sort of, of tactical optimism is because, um, you know, I, I you know, and, and I think, you know, to, I mean, to a certain extent, I think this is how Butler was looking at things in, in, in the 1930s as well, which was another time, right? Great Depression, you know, triumph of fascism in Europe rise of rise of fascist movements in the united states you know japanese expansion all over the pacific rim um you know there were a lot of there, there were a lot of other things you know th- they're having at his time as well um and i think you know he his feeling was like you know you got to fight like 
you have to you have to figure out the things that you believe in and fight for them and 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 as long as and my feeling is that as long as there are people fighting for the good parts of america um you know who are fighting for our democracy uh, who are fighting to um you know uh uh, you know, make good on what Martin Luther King called the, the promissory note, right, of, of, of the Declaration of Independence. Um, something that's really never really fully been true, uh, that, that all men are, are, are created equal or that, 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 that all people are, 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 you know, equal under the law and equal in American society. But that, that's something that we can, but that's something that we can fight for. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we can, uh, you know, we can fight to, limit war to where it is only you know strictly necessary butler said um uh he was asked um uh you know uh, are, are you a pacifist i quote this in the book but he was asked you know are you a pacifist and he says uh, hell yes i'm a pacifist but i've always got a club behind my back um you know he's he, like again it's a contradictory answer but like you know th that you know, is it, my feeling is that as long as there are people who are out there who are willing to to fight and 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 make sacrifices, um, uh, you know, for what's right and for safety and for and 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 you know to to protect our children. I have I have a two year old, so it's, I, I I totally feel it. Um, you know, to 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 fight and 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 you know hold corporations who are causing climate change responsible and reverse the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, you know, those effects that, that are still in our capability to reverse, um, you know, that's where my hope lies. Um, it, it is not, I do not subscribe, you know, I, I, I think that, um, I think that, you know, um, President Obama um, uh, and, and people who surrounded him made a, a, um, a, 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 a deep mistake um, in, you know, they, they would look at the Martin Luther King line uh, about how, you know, the, the, uh, the arc of history is long, but bends toward justice. Um, and they would sit sort of, they would take out the long part and they just sort of like, and it, it just kind of became like the arc of history bends toward justice. And then that just sort of became like, oh, well, like it'll just like all, everything will inevitably be, you know, become more just and, and more fair um, and and better, you know, kind of, you know, no matter what we do, um, I think that was I think that was an error. I think that I think I think you got to put the long part into it. Um, there are going to be, you know, there are going to be long you know, episodes of of backsliding, and there are going to be, you know, big moments where uh, where where we as a society, you know, take a step back and another step back and another step back, and you know, the two mass shootings in the last ten days, whatever it's been, um, are, are are obviously, you know horrendous examples of that um but um you know giving up entirely um i think that you know that that that's how you get into uh philosophies like the one that that the you know that the, the killer in in, in at uh, the top supermarket in buffalo you know expressed in, in his manifesto because beyond all of the you know the bald racism and, and anti-Semitism and, 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 and other parts of, of the things that he was talking about, there was a deep nihilism. There was a deep sense that, that you know, um, the world is just getting worse, nothing really matters. And so all that matters is, is you know, 
taking what's yours and, and eliminating the people that that that, uh, that that you think are your enemies that, that, that should be eliminated. Um, and I'm not saying that like, you know, anybody who like, you know, gets depressed is then going to, you know, to, to become a mass shooter. But I am saying that, you know, that that's kind of the reason why I personally try to sort of, you know, you know, uh, you know, use this kind of tactical optimism um, because, you know, just, you know, going in the complete opposite direction and being like, well, you know, American history, you know, from, from the, 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 the dislocation and, and, and wiping out of, of uh, the native Americans through, you know, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the uh, slavery and, 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 you know, the, the early 20th century uh, imperialism and the cold war and all the, all these moments that you know that 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 are awful that thus you know everything will always be bad and 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 nothing can ever get better that just guarantees that things are going to get worse um you know but i don't but but you know it's almost i i almost you know take that sort of on on a kind of you know civic faith um because you know the 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 the, ev the evidence keeps pointing in another direction but you know sometimes things happen um, and, and, and there are things that happen um, in, in, in our society today uh, where, you know, uh, you know, people do come together and people, you know, uh, do stand against, you know, uh, uh, injustice. Um, and I just think we need a lot more of that. No, I think that that was a, a really great answer for a very difficult question. And I'm, I might borrow your phrase, tactical optimism for future use. Um, because I think that 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 does sort of encapsulate like you feel you, you you might feel helpless on the strategic level, but you know tactically there are still things you can do. And I think kind of the the important point and to go back to the Martin Luther King quote is like, and and you know the context of how you follow that is like history is not a it's not a passive thing that just happens. Like you and me and everyone we have agency. Like we can we can bend that arc or not bend it, but we're you know we're not helpless. And that starts with. Um, you know, understanding that I'd say even like, you know, looking back at your home, like, you know, what do you do with your two year old? What do I do with my kids? What do we what do we teach them? Like we have agency and and that's a place where we can start there. Um, I got so I got two more questions and then uh, I if I don't get anything else in the chat. I think we're already past the hour. So we'll be looking at wrapping it up. So um, next question is from, you know, kind of looking into your future now from Lieutenant Colonel Kob uh, Curtis Kobeck. He's our operations and outreach officer. Here at the Kulak Center is um, like, what's next for you? Are you do you have any offshoots from this this particular project that we can expect, or do you have any other major projects, maybe not related to this one, that we can look for? Um, at the moment, I've got a newsletter. It's called The Racket. Um, I think for fairly obvious reasons, you can find it at theracket.news, uh, N-E-W-S, um, and that's where I've been doing a lot of my writing. Um, I'm uh, Hoping to get back into teaching, I taught journalism um, uh, for a couple of years uh, at, at Duke University, and um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to start doing so again where I live now. Um, I am thinking about future book projects. Um, I'm talking to some people about maybe trying to turn gangsters into a movie or a documentary or something. There are a lot of different forms that it could take. Um, but yeah, I will obviously keep everybody posted. But yeah, if, if you uh, uh, if you follow, if you follow me on social media or or or, uh, or or sign up for the racket, I will uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll keep you all abreast of, uh, of, of, of next moves as I have them. At the moment, you know, launching a book is a big, it's, it, is, it is an undertaking in and of itself. And it's been, you know, about five months now. So I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to, you know, you know, uh, you know move on to, to, to other things. Um, but, um, but yeah, and you know, I've still got, I, I have some journals, journalism projects going on and, and, uh, we'll, we'll sort of see which ones bear fruit and, and, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll be coming to a, to a, to an iPhone screen near you. All right. Great. Thanks. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to that. And as you mentioned in your book, you do have some film experience, so maybe, uh, maybe something on, on Netflix or Amazon streaming here might be in the future. Absolutely. Uh, we'll yeah. look for that. All right. So final question, and this is something our director here at the Codex Center, Ms. Valerie Jackson, wanted to 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 ask you. Um, like I said, unfortunately, she's got other commitments this week, but this kind of breaks it back to what what can the Marine audience take away from this? And um, if there is one thing that the Marine reader can take away from your book that you would want them to walk away with, what would that be? I mean, so I'm going to. The, the first thing I'll say in, in response, it's, it's a very good question. The first thing I'll say in response to it is that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just the writer. Um, I, you know, I, I put things out in the world um, and then people take them and, and run with them. Um, and I'm much more interested generally in, in, you know, you know, learning the things that, that people take from my writing um than than me sort of being more instrumental and 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 telling them you know like this is the lesson that that, that you need to to take out of it um it's 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 more experiential and it's experiential for for, for me as well um uh you know i i think the thing that i hope that everybody takes away from from gangsters and this includes marines um is you know just a deeper appreciation of the complexities and the realities of American history. Um, and again, this is, you know, I, you know, going back to the thing that we were just talking about, you know, I'm not trying to do it in, you know, kind of a, a black pill, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, just, I'm not just trying to depress everybody and tell everybody that like, you know, the United States is, is bad. It's good. But I mean, we're, we're, we're a wonderful country uh, in a lot of ways, and 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 we we still hold um, a lot of great promise. Um, uh, much of it's still unrealized, um, but I think it's important to understand um, the ways in which you know we we were talking sort of earlier about the ways in which you know history is instrumentalized, um, you know, in China, right? It's a very different system, but, but things like that also happen in, in the United States. And we tend to look away from the uglier moments and we tend to look away from the parts that, um, that not only make us question like who we are in a moral sense, but in a material sense, help us explain like, how did we get to be the way we are, right? How did things get to be this way? Again, I was talking about the New York Times series, you know, in which like, you know, so much of France's economy was built on extraction, right, from, from Haiti. Um, and some of that extraction that ends up uh, here in the United States. And then there's, a, you know, there a you know, it's gangsters of capitalism, like a lot of the things that I'm talking about in this book, you know, the, the things that the Marines were involved in were expressly, you know, wars for oil in, in Mexico, um, uh, you know, wars for 
you know, uh, land in, in Panama, wars for the banks in, 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 uh, in Nicaragua and Haiti, et cetera. Um, you know, those had real material uh, impacts. And, and a lot of the, the, you know, the things that surround us today um, that we take for granted um, are things that, you know, my friends in Haiti and other places can't take for granted because that wealth was taken from them um, by force in, in a lot of cases. And, you know, whether that means um, that we need to find ways to give some of that back. I mean, like, you know, the gold that the Marines took from uh, the, 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 the central bank in Haiti that, that ended up on Wall Street, we could give that back, uh, that amount of money back for sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, and, and also the ways in which that then, you know, can help us, um, I, I think my video lagged a little bit, but that, that, that can help us, um, uh, look at, um, people in these countries and in these other parts of the world differently, right? That it is not just an, a, a, like an inborn inferiority or, or some kind of like cultural pathology um, that has made, uh, you know, people in, in countries that Americans often sort of dismiss as, you know, the third world, um, the way that they are, that there is an actual history there um, in which we did things that hurt people and, and, still, and, and still have effects today. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, that, that, you know, that kind of outlook, um, uh, it, it just, for me, and I think for anybody reading the book, including a Marine, I think it can, it can just, it can just change the way that you walk around the world and it can change the way that you interact with people. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, wherever you're deployed, um, or, 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 or whatever you're doing. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it can help you look at, at people as, as, as being people like you, um, who, who have these long trains of, of history behind them, um, which prop them up in some ways and hold them down in others, just as we have our own, right? Both personal and, and societal. Um, and, 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 you know, you know, that would be, a, I think that would be a great thing for, for, for people to, to, to take away from it. Um. And you know, I think I think Marines can learn a lot from from somebody like Smedley Butler. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, on on, uh, you know, you, you've invited me. I don't want to be like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, encouraging insubordination on your on your on on this uh, webcast, um, you know. But I mean, you know, Smedley Butler was somebody who um, uh, went through a, a a long and I think belated uh, period of um, self reflection. Um, and I think that he was looking back and, 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 and asking himself, are there things that I could have done differently in real time? Um, and, 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 you know, you don't have to take my word for it. Like a lot of, a lot of Marines and a lot of people, um, uh, you know, who, who've lived, uh, between, uh, uh, you know, uh, Butler's era and ours, um, have looked at his example and, 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 and used it as a way to ask themselves, um, those questions. Um, and, and, uh. You know, question power and and um, you know, maybe question their orders sometimes. I don't know. Again, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just a journalist. I'm not telling you guys to do this. But but you know, I I, I think those are things that that you know th th those are lessons and those are those are conversations that that can be had. Um, but again, the book's out there. You can read it. Tell me what you think. Love it. Hate it. Um, you know, get 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 lessons out of it that you know 
totally different from the ones that I'm talking about here. Um, it's 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 everybody's now. Yeah, no, great. That that was a great answer, and I I know just to to you know I'll, for the sake of posterity in the recording, we're certainly not talking about you know disobeying rightful and legal orders that come down from the chain of command. Although I would, uh, there's a whole sort of separate category of unlawful and illegal orders that, you know, not only are you not supposed to follow, you know, we say in our own rules, you have a moral obligation not to follow. So, um, yeah, but we're not talking, you know, about general general running amok and not not listening to anybody because um, that's not what the military organization does. I don't uh, want to knock on my door. From yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think, you know, that, that ties back into what we were talking about before we started recording, which is. Our organization, we're like we're in the midst of change and churn, and you know, a learning organization. The best learning, and we talk about this at the Krulak Center as well. And you know, when we're talking about whether it's wargaming or exercises that didn't go quite well, is you learn the best from the mistakes and and from failures and from um, you know from the things that make you uncomfortable. That's where real learning can occur. So I think you know, looking back at times in our history that make us uncomfortable is where some valuable learning can come from. And to your point about the, the, the truth to power, like you, you said that a couple of times now, and anyone who's been in the Krulak Center spaces knows that you can't see it, but behind me, up over my cubicle, we got a picture of General Victor Krulak, our namesake here, um, talking to President Lyndon B. Johnson. And under there, it says, speak truth to power. And that was a, uh, it was obviously a conversation that made Lyndon Johnson uncomfortable because you can just tell by the look on his face. But General Krulak felt that there were things and this is in the context was, you know, counterinsurgency in Vietnam. And General Krulak thought that President Johnson was going about all the entirely wrong way and told him so in very clear terms. Um, and that that had impacts to his own career, um, General Krulak's career. You know, he was expected he would eventually go on to become a commandant. He did not. Um, he never rose above three stars at that point. But the point was, he felt that there were things the president needed to hear, whether or not they made him uncomfortable. And man, LBJ looked uncomfortable in that picture. But General Krulak was still telling him. So, you know, that 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 exact phrase and that perspective is right here behind us. It speaks truth to power. Um, the yeah. other thing I would say, by the way, uh, for, for speaking uh, on behalf of future journalist historians, uh, that Smelly Butler gave an example of is, is like, keep a journal or like, you know, keep your, keep your letters. Um, they'll be very valuable. Uh, to, to people in the future trying to understand what's happening today. Yeah, no, that's great. And then actually with that, I'll make a last plug I forgot, but to to both the National Museum of the Marine Corps as well as the Archives of the History Division, you know, I know you had good experience with them. I can also personally vouch I've gone in and done some research on different stuff in there. They're fantastic resources. So for whether you're a journalist or a Marine looking to, you know, get deeper into something uh, of your own history or uh, or trying to learn more about Marine Corps history, they're a tremendous resource and they've been, they've been incredibly helpful. And I would, I would, at least my experience was both, I started working with them well before COVID, but then COVID happened. I still had archival requests and they still did, still did their best to fill them in a timely fashion. So um, definitely can't speak highly enough about uh, the folks who run both those organizations. Um, all right, we're, uh, we're at 90 minutes here. I feel like the time has just kind of flown by. Um, but Jonathan Katz, I wanna thank you for taking the time to come out and spend you know, spend this uh, for, uh, well more than the lunch hour with us. Uh, to everyone in our audience, thank you for sticking around as well. I think it's a fantastic discussion. Um, and I look forward to getting this one posted for the rest of our community. I will take a few seconds to make a plug for our next episode. 
coming up, which is time is TBD, but next Friday, um, we're going to, uh, long overdue, we're finally getting our women, peace and security expert, Dr. Anahid Matosian onto the brewcast. And um, it's going to tie back into her WPS field as well, but we're also going to uh, get back into the war in Ukraine because we've, we've, uh, uh, we had a focus on that for a couple months and we've been a couple episodes since we talked about it. So we're going to get back to it. She's going to talk to us about Ukraine from a women, peace and security perspective. And she's going to bring in some context from her own experience doing work in this, uh, the war in Syria, which, uh, you know, turns out the Russians were there too. And so I expect there's going to be some commonalities in her discussion, but she's going to be looking at different roles that women play during these kinds of conflicts, as well as post-conflict experiences which, you know, we're hoping there's the, the post-conflict phase in Ukraine is coming sooner rather than later. But she can she's going to lay out some of the things we might expect to see that, you know, you know, Ukrainian civil forces, as well as anyone who's trying to help re reconstruct, are going to have to deal with. So next Friday, she'll be there to talk about us uh, on that subject. All right. Again, thank you, sir, very much. And uh, uh, definitely thank you for your time today. Thank you. Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected.